Hello and welcome back to the Middlemen Podcast. And we've had a little bit of a break uh, due to COVID reasons and coursework and everything else going on in the world. But we are back. And Max, this week we've got a, a special guest because yeah. we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to discuss what it's like to be a sports journalism student at, well, not just at the University of Derby, generally speaking, because I, I think it's pretty similar across most unis. We're third year at the Uni of Derby. So, Max, do you want to introduce our guest this yeah, week? Yeah, so... Um not just a, a very special guest, but close friend and a hard-working budding journalist himself, Joe McMillan. Hello, Max and Noah. Thanks for <laughs> having me How are on. you? I'm good. very good. I'm very good. Well. Good, Yeah, no, just joining us. And, I mean, don't want to big you up too much. You don't want to boost your ego, but you've, you've done a lot in the three years you've been cause studying journalism. And obviously, yeah, we're all good mates and we know what we've done. But go on, just explain to our loyal listenership what you've been up to over the last three years. Okay, all right, I'll, t- I'll take you through it. So, I'm Joe McMillan, I'm 21 years old. I go to the <laughs> University of Derby. Um, I'm based in Wiltshire. Uh, I feel like I'm at a job interview. Um, so, basically, what I've done over the last three years during studies, um, I have worked at Chesterfield Football Club for basically two years. And the last year of that has been working with BT Sport. I run the BT Sport highlight show there. So, after the game I'll take the camera go and interview the manager and I'll film the game in the middle of it it's pretty pretty cool and it gets streamed back to the to London so that's fun um, I do I do work for the British Heart Foundation I work for their internal communications team um, which is basically just rewriting press releases for the staff um, it, and you get to interview lots of interesting nice. people like I've helped with the London Marathon this year helped pick who they want and they help write their stories so it is cool very cool I think in like straight away when you say those two things which you've done in particular with Chesterfield and British Heart Foundation like the first question that comes to me is like those are two obviously still journalistic things but one is sports and one isn't mm-hmm. so you've kind of got the not the best of both worlds but you've seen and kind of acted in journalism in, in two different elements so what is there like any differences because obviously me and Noah are just normally sport based and I for one haven't done anything like like you have with the British Heart so kind of what is it like doing it there and how is it different to, to the sport in journalism mm-hmm. well I, first year at university I, I basically said yes to everything yeah. um, I'd really advise people going to uni do that I think that's important that's very important um, and I quickly realised there's so much to do in the world of journalism because you're in then the world of media and the world of media is huge um, I say the big difference is are in sport it's a lot more um opinion there's a lot more opinions a lot more big egos around um you're open to say what you want in sport basically basically i'd say in the world of in in normal media um and especially with if you work for a company you're you're you are pushing an agenda but it's all very nice i'd say sport is brutal um but i'd say and and obviously the normal news can be extremely brutal the interviewees the people you talk to getting the good story is sometimes a bit easier I'd say in regular media than sport because you have to go through so many press offices press releases like for sports so. did you yeah. get that through uni? how did you get the no I, I, I got it through um, my dad works for British Heart in, in a different role not in the media he, right. nothing to do with it and I just asked for work experience over the summer got the job through that well, it's all about who you know, really. And that, hey, that's that, what we've had this week with networking. And I mean, this is like employability week in journalism. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had a big kind of talk yesterday. And we've had Henry Winter come in and Jackie Oatley and Arlo White and Simon Stone from the BBC. And I think, Max, you'll agree. Most of journalism, if not all of journalism, it is networking. And I think what people maybe forget when they come to uni is that like, you have to still do that. And if you want to succeed outside of the course, I find you can do it academically very well. But if you want to actually kind of go forwards in journalism you need to make those contacts whilst at uni yeah exactly and that's what that's kind of like the hidden talent about journalism I say like you can be the best interviewer in the world the best blog writer in the world but you have to be a sociable impersonable likeable personality for people to want to you know have you in their network and, and have you as a contact and that get that gets you more places than any other talent to be honest which is why I was so good to, to miss <laughs> out uh, yesterday seeing all those uh, those big names and faces but you know what can you do I was, I was out with uh, out with COVID but 
um, literally great example even today um, like I haven't even got my network set up to the standard that I want to yet but even today to my girlfriend right uh, was speaking to her colleague in work this is in a student's union in a different university right mm. um, says oh yeah we're just speaking to my colleague um, she used to work in mixed martial, uh, mixed martial arts coverage her boyfriend knows Conor McGregor um, I can like try and say not a good time for Conor McGregor uh, no I know yeah, it's, <laughs> it, is, it is probably the worst time to uh, to bring that name up but it is just as easy as that sometimes it's like someone who you know might know someone who knows someone who knows and that is literally just that's how it is sometimes and but those type of situations can set you up for maybe your biggest interview you've ever had or your biggest breakthrough in your career you've ever had so it's so important to kind of and it, it's unexpected sometimes I, I didn't expect that message off her today but you know it happens and, and you can go back to the start we've interviewed Olympic gold medalists world champion boxers we've interviewed top level sportsmen and for example Galau Yafai came on our podcast and yeah. that was from when we did the Olympic boxing qualifiers and that was a really interesting event because it was literally and I mean literally prob- I think it was probably the last sporting event in this country before Covid kicked in and the whole world well no one knew what to do the whole world just kind of collapsed in on itself and Joe I don't know if you can remember but we were all in London on pretty much day one of Covid yeah it was crazy that event was was one of the one of the coolest things I think I've ever been a part of I mean we all did it we we were simply just volunteers and that doesn't sound like a big role we were just a lot of the time we're just helping other journalists Mm. do their job but being that facilitator making those contacts is such a key thing a key key part of becoming a journalist because you realize everything that goes into it and i thought everyone there was very humble spoke to us yeah. took their time and i think the one thing you should realize as a young journalist is never think anyone is too good for you like yeah. talk to them because if they're rude they're rude but that's that's not that's your problem issue, not yeah a lot of the time these people will take their time and will try and help you so yeah that is actually to be honest something that set me back a, a bit not set me back but it's kind of mentally limited me sometimes where i haven't really had the you know the courage to go up to people and talk to them or you know the confidence to go and try and build a contact go for the interview but you know this What's the, what's the thing our, our old lecture used to say there's no such thing as a uh, shy, shy journalist there's no so, such thing as a shy journalist um, so it is like that's that's one main thing for me I've had to kind of get over is like building up that, that courage and confidence because you know we us three were in a place like that with as you said um, future gold medalists um, you know and I think the rest of the most of the team now is uh, pro boxers too with the likes of uh, Caroline Dubois etc so you know it's all about kind of you the chance is there you just have to take it yeah. and a lot of the times you know especially when I was younger I didn't really take it like that but now you kind of realise when you're in those situations you deserve to be there you know you can't be starstruck or anything you have to realise you're there for a reason whether it, even if it is a volunteer and I think a lot of the time as well that leaves a good impression on the people that you're getting to because it, it shows you're driven it shows that you know you, you want to do you want to do what you're getting across you want an interview you want this you want that um, and you know they could probably respect that because they're, they're driven people themselves yeah I think exactly like you said when you go to a game I was at the press box in Notts County the other night and because I was there in first year and because you know we, we got on well with people in first year and it was before Covid but people still remember faces and especially if you're there's nothing wrong with going up to talking to people in press boxes as student journalists or just as journalists in general obviously but that's a big tip go and talk to people and like make contacts in press boxes and wherever you go but the, the other thing is we all started everyone in our class so how many of us were there about 25 of us at the start yeah. something between 25 and 30 and everyone started on the same level like kind of ground zero level and then if you look now three years three years in as we come to the end of our degree and you look where different people are because of the work they've put in and Joe you've worked for BT Sport you know Chesterfield Football Club the British Heart Foundation you've worked for Team GB like Max and I have too and that's where I think the graph comes in as well. You can't just sit back. Yeah, I, I think especially Max was saying, you might sometimes think you've missed a chance or something slipped through your fingers. Chances will come again. It's not like this is a wor- world where if you work hard, if you just go for it, if you say yes, things will come. It Don't be too put down if mm. if you lose that one opportunity which you think is going to be a big break. There will be more, like... 
it's not the end of the world no say yes to everything so what would your tips be then Max uh, for someone let's say you're listening to this podcast now you're thinking about doing a sports journalism degree or maybe a football journalism degree I don't know what would your tips be going into uni as a kind of a budding sports journalist Um, you know th- th- there's a lot and my, my tips if you asked me this six months ago they completely changed because I used to think that everyone everyone that was doing the same degree as me was like me that this was something they wanted to do years before they came to uni whereas now there are people questioning even if they want to do it when they graduate um, like some, some other classmates I've, sp- I've spoken to so it's, it's interesting but I would say like you know keep your options open if, if you're not 100% certain on doing that definitely pursue it if, if that's the main thing you want to do at the time but you know as you grow your mind grows and, and things change as well so keep your options open but I would definitely say you know pursue it get go to a course there are so many different things out there internships apprenticeships you know uni courses whatever age you're at there's something for you as you started out um i think in in college didn't you yeah doing, um, hospital radio yeah yeah basement of a hospital exactly so um yeah there's whatever age you're at there's something there is some way of journalism or sports journalism for you to start off so look for it pursue it get to know people as as we have discussed how that is just one of the it's paramount in journalism yeah. so get to know people build as many contacts as you can um as a third as a third one be confident even if you're a shy person naturally this is what i used to do when um when i started off bar working when i was younger was a bit of a i wasn't really a shy kid but sometimes i wasn't too confident to talk to people but i realized this is my job i'm getting paid to do this so i'm just going to kind of leave that personality at the door mm. my actual one and just go out and just you know not 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 be myself but be myself but kind of just find confidence somewhere like there it is within you if you if you want it that much is it's there so yeah as the third one definitely um be be as confident as possible one thing you said there and this this is a really big tip i got was when you go into work or to a game let's say you're in a bad mood you leave that bad mood in a bag outside the ground or outside the studio wherever you're going and then you, you go in and forget about it. If you want to pick that bad mood up again once you've left the ground or wh- wherever you've been, then that's your choice. But that's the best tip. Always go into something. I think sport is the perfect opportunity, and I've like really enjoyed this part of our job, is that you can go into a game and you can forget about everything else and you can just focus on the yeah. football. Um, and I think this, this, this degree, this course, sports journalism, really gives you the chance to to go and like make these incredible experiences some of the stuff we've done Joe what would you you say your top tips are one but two what's your favourite memory or experience so far yeah um, I for tips wise I'd say you know Max talk about some people not not wanting to pursue journalism or, or thinking about not pursuing journalism on this degree I'd say I, I've been one of those people where I don't know if I'm going to go into that side but the tr- skills you learn are so transferable like the writing skills and I'd say it, most importantly the communication skills and the confidence you gain for being a journalist because suddenly you've got all the, the, the qualifications and the degree but also when that person reads your CV and they meet you you're more than just like the words on a paper you've got a personality to you so no matter what you go into it, it's excellent so just yeah just keep going at it mm-hmm. I just keep keep learning whilst you're here and then in, in terms of what the, the the best well yeah what's the best kind of experience you've had at uni because I think people will consider sports journalism they'll consider normal journalism they'll look at what the kind of stuff you you can do on these courses and we've done some amazing things what's kind of your favourite I think my favourite is still the, the London boxing, boxing trip yeah. I, I don't think anything will top that because we were robbed of a couple of trips and I think we got to do that trip also through our hard work of getting that that role as well we stayed at Noah's house there was four of us shacked up <laughs> in his room <laughs> um, um, we just had such a good time and it felt like we were properly doing a job a job and we were first years at the time Yeah, we were getting the tube every morning uh, it's just such a uh, surrounded by an amazing event um, yeah. we felt really I felt really professional when no. I did it is is there a chance you've uh, fixed the lock on your bathroom door yet? The bathroom door? No, that, that's so that bathroom door. Many times that night. Yeah, yeah. What the Snapchat memories that come up every single year? And Max having a naked poo. And sat but on the naked. Absolutely fine to say that on the podcast. Yeah, that's 
just a scary memory to be honest um, but that box that boxing trip was amazing and like I said it before and this is it's kind of going off on a different it's kind of going off on it but it was amazing because of the time that happened and I don't know if you remember but people it was the first time that people were scared to go on the tube people were scared to go on the train back and we thought that we we didn't know, really know what COVID was people were still shaking each other's hands I remember a journalist came up to me in the mix zone and uh, he, he refused to shake my hand. He'd only give me an elbow. And I just thought, this is absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> and then six months down the line, well, we're all in lockdown. Your, your dad, before before we left on the first day, went, no, are you really going to get the tube? I don't think that's safe. And Noah laughed in his face like, <laughs> yeah. no, what? It's, it's nothing. It's, yeah. it's only COVID. What, what and do? It, it, we didn't know the, yeah. the, the seriousness yeah, it right. of it. So that was incredible, that event. I, th- I think it was like, must have been about two years and a week ago that we were there doing the trip but mm. I think it was two years yesterday that lockdown was officially put in so I remember yeah. it being it was like a, a clear day for me I remember it being the 23rd so I actually had a nap that day and I woke up <laughs> <laughs> how do you remember that? so it, it was just it was a mad day anyway like beforehand and I just remember napping and they were like oh Max you're not going to stay up for Boris's talk and I was like no I'm just going to sleep and then I, so I woke up and I was basically in a different country because I woke up and we were in lockdown, pretty much. So it was it was a crazy how long was my nap? Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> when supposed to sleep? What happens? I, I've been scared of naps ever since. Yeah, really, but, um, yeah I, I think you're right, Noah, with how you say um, the environment that we were in. You know, if a normal um, if it was a normal event, there'd be so many fans there, which you know would have been insane as well. But it was also kind of eerie and had its own unique experience with the yeah. fact that it was behind closed doors kind of felt more like a vip because we were actually you know one of the only ones that was um allowed entry in there so you know it's crazy how it was operated but i think we got to give um big ups to the to the team that operated it and sorted it and managed to, to uh, keep I it mean, going we, we, all, we all managed to stay covid free yeah. i know yeah. i think covid yeah. was there so well it was because a few of the athletes it, later kind of transpired had covid whilst they were at that event yeah whilst they, i think some of them whilst they were boxing right yeah they, they were they were boxers i can't remember what country they Dude, came from italy say, i think yeah it, yeah you might be right they got it really bad before mm. um, was it italy or like turkey or like one country so, yeah. tried to sue tried to sue the um the event for like not uh, not closing not down putting safety regulation or yeah uh, not closing like, yeah. down earlier i don't know it's it crazy but i remember coming late to that event this is just we'll leave it here but um <laughs> i remember like coming to it and it was the, it wasn't meant to be the last day but it was the last day because really? I had to shut it down mm-hmm. early anyway I was like oh I just got here like um, my first my first uh, kind of day working there I was thinking I was like ordering around the uh, photographers in, yeah. into the boxing yeah. corners and yeah but as soon as we got in there we got handed the press release we were like this is what's being sent out now this is going to be our last day on it and I was like oh, yeah. heartbreak but um, I think it's turned out for the best isn't it it's, it's shaped us and it's, it's it shaped has, the yeah, boxers that definitely. participated in it as well so and how would you kind of, and let's like round the section off. But how would you, how would you look back on uni? Because we had that whole year online, so we essentially missed out on our second year, our last term in first year, and that's an experience. We were the first ever year to go online learning, mm-hmm. unless you'd been to the Open University. No one had ever experienced that, and it was everything was completely new. So how do you reflect, Joe, on on your time at uni? And yeah, what would you say about your time studying sports journalism? I'd say I've massively, I have massively enjoyed it, and there's been a lot of huge highlights. And the fact that we were online is a shame because I feel I want to do it again. Like I'd mm. happily do another year where we get to do all the trips we wanted to do, do all like the modules which we did online again, but in person because it's a great mod, it's a great, it's a great course, and I've had a good time. So yeah, Max. Uh, yeah, no, it's it's been great. You know, we've I've made friends for life. Uh, two, two of which are sitting here and uh, you know the, the social group the uh, aspect of uni as well as university you know university we have this course and then the you know the classic typical uni student life as well into that I think it's just been a, a, a great balance and you know t- talking like this talking so like reflective oh, on it, 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 it like, because yeah. what we've got like Not two old. or three months left now yeah. and then and then it's all uh, it's all over. But I think that is why, as Joe was saying about the the second year, how it was kind of all online. We, you know, a lot of a lot of students from other courses and other unis kind of feel robbed of of a year. So I think that's why you know we got quite a few in here doing masters uh, mm-hmm. in our in our yep. course. I feel like that is probably it's valid. quite it's a, valid. Yeah, a yeah, reason yeah. why uh, mm-hmm. they, they want to do that because 
they haven't had like almost a full uni experience but mm -hmm. you know that's how it goes I'd say that it flies like time flies and you've mm. got to cherish you've got to cherish it whilst you're there and you've and like we've just to summarise I think first year say yes to everything mm -hmm. listen because the people that are, often the people that come in to speak to you know their stuff and they are the best in the business and it, don't be afraid to talk to people and don't be afraid to kind of like even if it looks like you're being the tryhard going up to the guest lecturer at the end and just to get a contact detail like alright yeah. it might look like you're being the tryhard for 10 minutes but then no one's going to remember that and then two years down the line you've still got that contact and you can mm -hmm. still tap into their kind of network so yeah, say yes to everything. That, that is and Noah people as well. Yeah, yeah. Noah is the tryhard. He, he, he is that guy. Yeah. I remember yeah, though, um, like th this guy <laughs> is so so confident though, and he's like, his his drives crazy. You'll see it if you like see him in a press box or whatever. Because I remember we were we were covering. Um, it was a was it the under 19s uh, derby versus Borussia Dortmund game? Mm -hmm. um, oh, yeah. It was like a proper like a proper young team, but they Yusuf Makuku played in that game. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Did he really? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, didn't do much because they lost no. four two <laughs> but um, I remember like obviously we were all in the in the press suite and there were a couple of reporters that Dortmund had sent over uh, to Derby and literally I don't even know you all know better than me because you actually <laughs> went up and spoke to them I don't even think they knew any English but no, no one went straight over there like mm -hmm. it's, it's the first thing on his mind like build a contact speak to people yeah. it's, it's crazy and we were all there like we were quite yeah. it was quite surprising I was like I didn't even think to do that but this guy's just got it in him to to go, go and talk it's, it's the most important part of journalism uh, isn't it just going and talking to people yeah I was in Chesterfield's gantry right at the top of the ground and there was a guy from Notts County he was the assistant media guy I went up to him I was like oh hi mate you alright he goes yeah 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 and then I was like he asked me where I was from you near Derby and he goes oh you know Noah then I was like <laughs> yeah I was like I didn't even yeah. question it I was like oh you of course know Noah yeah yeah obviously <laughs> yeah. <laughs> bit of a busy body yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know speaking of busy bodies Gareth Southgate seems to know everyone and uh, we'll, we'll go on to the England squad because he, he knows most young players and he's getting them involved now and we can go through the English squad actually I think I've got it here yeah, but yeah. It's is it 26 man for 26 man uh, is it, is it, do you know what I've no I idea is it, is it friendly matches I, yeah, yeah we've got um, friendlies coming up Switzerland on Saturday so that's I think that's this Saturday mm. the 26th and then the Ivory Coast next yeah, week wow. at Wembley uh, so yeah, it's yeah, a, they're the friendlies I think obviously I don't know the, the squad player for player but mm. looking at it I wasn't I wasn't too too angry at, at Southgate's picks no. I just feel like a lot of the time when he's choosing a squad you just cannot please a nation, can you? Nope. And you it's impossible. 100% complete. Uh, Even with 26 players. <laughs> well, yeah. Somehow, someone's going to get Exactly. There's, there's always going to be something that, you know, one aspect that a group of, normally mm -hmm. it's a certain club's player yeah. hasn't got involved, so like the club's fuming about, like the mm. club's fans are fuming about it. But, you know, it's, it's, it's how it is. But I think overall, there, there is one that we'll get into in particular, yeah. but I think overall he's done a good job there. I just know whoever he picks, He's, he's not going to please anyone, uh, we, we, we can go through it. Yep. Pickford in goal. Nick yep. Pope, Fraser Forster. Uh, Fraser Forster, who's just called up, I think, because uh, West Brom, Sam Johnston withdrew from the squad. Well, I don't think Sam Johnston should have been in the squad anyway. Because he's he plays a for a championship team? He's had a poor season. His mind's elsewhere. His contract's up at the end of the year. He's that classic he, Gareth Southgate, he, picking who he, he knows. Yeah, I, I think it was a bit of a shame. It was a bit of a shambles he got picked in the first place. But anyway. Okay, fair enough. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, th I think um, you know, without without Johnson Forster's the second best, if not like I'd, the same yeah. level as uh, as Johnson. He's he's found his form. You got Ram the, Ramsdale's pulled out, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 But you can also argue that. Hang on a minute. Where are Everton in the Premier League? Are they in the red? Teetering on the relegation zone yeah. now. The place above it. Yeah, I wouldn't say Pinford's been the problem in that club. I'd say I say he's had one terrible game against Spurs, but. I think that club's at rotten yeah. at the moment and, and <laughs> regardless I think Everton could have an even worse season than this than that they're currently having and Southgate would still go with Pigford because mm -hmm. he, he's tried tested and proven yeah. in an England top so I mean, you know you can't really argue with that Penalty Penalty show our hero of course yeah. Nations yeah. League you know I don't think this, he, Pickford himself I don't think for England has done much wrong yeah. it's interesting because they put on an English shirt and we were saying this kind of before we jumped on the podcast and Harry Maguire yeah. So the same kind of player who yeah. for Manchester United this year I think it's been terrible and, and he played a great role in our run to the final of the Euros and no one seemed to want to praise him that much then but everyone loves the hate on Harry Maguire do, mm. do you guys remember his uh, penalty against Italy as well that was a oh. striker's finish 
Oh, he, he, can, he can deliver on his day he can deliver he's, he's like a Kyomin Kelleher in his prime <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I can't say that with two Chelsea fans in there but well um, that's yeah, he, he, he smashed that top bin didn't yeah. he but uh, you know you're right Noah they sometimes with certain players like that um, you know the United ones as well in particular with Maguire and Shaw mm-hmm. I mean Shaw had a, a world class season last season mm-hmm. this season you know, Luke Shaw will, will always go down in the history books for his goal in the final yeah, against Italy yeah of course um you see, the big problem with Shaw is that there's not too much competition, which I think, which is yeah, why. Yeah. I mean, we, we can go, yeah, through go through the defenders. Defend, you got yeah. Connor Cody and Mark Gahey from Palace. So, okay, <laughs> we'll, just, we'll just stop them with Connor Cody because Joe's raised no, his laugh. I, I was look, Max's laugh. Connor Cody's fine for, a, like, if you want him in the dressing room, sure, in a 26 man squad. Yeah. I think if you're going to win a World Cup, you do not put Connor Cody. Uh, anywhere but, but near the defence I don't think you're going to win a World Cup with Gareth Southgate in charge I don't think it matters if you've got Conor Cody there you've got, more, I, ch- I think, yeah. you've got I, more chance of putting another centre back there than you would Conor Cody look, which we'll get on to I was going to say yeah yeah, exactly. I it's, think it starts from the top I, I, I love yeah. Southgate a bit I think he's a really personal guy he's completely changed the outlook of the players and the media and everyone gets along and he, he's a lovely mm. chap but I don't think he's got that killer instinct when it comes to a final as we saw against Italy I've, I've got to disagree then yeah that's fine I, I, I do I do think he can do it because he's been so close so many times I think is that is that not the you know when a win, winners don't come winning. close so yeah, many times when, winners win how, when was the last time we had a manager that came so close to it of course, he, of course he's not yeah. a, a serial winner but I think he's he's found his, fo- his foot in now he's got comfortable being close to the finals being close to the top and he's going to take that Italy loss as hard as everyone in, yeah. in the nation had if not even harder so I think now this year in the World Cup mm-hmm. after you know every match Southgate out's trending so I think he knows it's now or never mm-hmm. I've, I've got to do this or you know it's, it's off of my head I, I also worry if we were to get rid of Southgate then I mean what who are the FA going to bring in it's just going to be another one of the the FA coaches because yeah. Southgate's an FA coach yeah. and I think he's the best of the bunch yeah. so unless they're going to go let's bring Jose Mourinho in let's, let's do it let's, let's pull some big manager What's the point? Yeah. He's a good manager. He's doing a good job. Currently, I don't want anyone else. No, yeah, you can't, you can't get rid of him that. before. I'm, yeah. not, I'm not saying no, get no, rid of him before the World Cup. Yeah. You have to give him that chance. Yeah. But yeah. I just don't think with Southgate in charge, well, we could get to the quarters, we could get to the semis. Yeah. I doubt we'll get to the final. I, even if we did, I just don't think we'll win the World Cup under Gary Southgate. But that's just my view. I think, I think he's a good manager. I just yeah. don't think he's right for England. I think he did very well in the Euros, but I think other teams were very, very poor. Um, but we'll name his defence so Connor Cody Mark Gahey from Palace who's nice. impressed mm-hmm. everyone yep. um, no complaints there Harry Maguire who like we said seems to do well in an England shirt just yeah you've got to kind of trust him you, it would have been it would have been so harsh on him to, to drop it like yeah I would, I, I, you had to keep especially after what he's done for the, for the team in yeah. previous years yeah Tyra Mings mm. I know he's got his critics yeah no, I, 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 I is that again another comfort it's a le- call up. It, it if, he, if he wasn't left footed then he's not in the squad <laughs> okay Tyreek Mitchell had a good season sure yeah making, his, making his England debut don't mind, I don't mind that Why at not? all bit of, ex- bit of ex- experimental you know mm-hmm. uh, type of reasoning going into that into that decision and it's, it's what you need to do especially with, with the friendlies you've got to give these, these young especially players a chance Chilwell and Shaw are out right uh, I think I don't Chilwell's definitely out I yeah, think Luke Shaw. Well, well, this the the, I'm reading the squad that came out. Yes, this is an update. updated squad from yesterday, and Luke Shaw's still in it. Okay, well, so but you need cover, obviously. And yeah, Ch- you do. You Chilwell and Shaw will probably yeah. be the choice, and if he's the third choice, then yeah. fair play. John Stones in there. Don't, yep. don't mind that. John Stones. Yeah. The only one, I, I, and for me, Carl Walker Peters. I'm a big fan of are you? Carl Walker Peters. I really like him. The most I've seen of him, I think he got a goal in in some game for uh, Southampton, and I, I, j- I just don't watch enough. He he to... plays so he plays left back for Southampton, and he's right footed. He inverts. He's really interesting to watch. I think I, I think for now, why not? Like if you're going experimental, if yeah. we're going with these fullbacks who are so marauding, play him. Yeah, cool. especially in the friendlies. Especially Luke Shaw and Chilwell having um, their injury problems. You need we need to know if we don't have those two. Who's going to play left back? Because we can't bring Ashley Young back for another World Cup. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, and Ben White as well. Ben White, yeah, who I, yeah. I, I really like. I think he's been Good very impre- so impressive on the Arteta. Are we going to talk about who's missing? The uh, the one, the and big only. missing. The Go big. On. I'll Tamori. let you leave it, Joe. Takaya Tamori. Tamori has to be in the squad. Yeah. Gutted. Leads, I think, leads Serie for interceptions and tackles. Mo- like most, most, most defensive statistics. He's been a monster. Top yeah. of top of Serie. 
I know that shouldn't indicate how good a player he is, but if you're starting centre back, English, he left to go get game time. He's got game time, and he's turned up. He's playing fun. amazingly well. Yeah, big risk to go abroad. And Huge it, risk. And he's done very well. So, and so is Tammy Abraham. He's thrown himself into it. He's... And then Tammy's got called up, which is interesting. But Tamori, I, I don't understand. I, I guess think, it's... Yeah, you have one of, if not the best striker in Syria who's got the call up. So yeah. why has it not been the same for one of, if not the best defenders in Syria Is this it season? because the competition for centre-back Southgate doesn't want to drop one of Ming's Cody? Yeah, but... I think he's too, I, I, like I said earlier, I, th- I think he's too comfortable with that centre-back pairing. I think so. Yeah, yeah. You, like if if you if you're taking the risk on Mitchell and, and Walker's Peters, why not? Well, yeah. it's, and I don't even it's not even a risk really. No. It's not it's not a risk because, you know, if you're looking at the, the club performances, then he is bringing you he's bringing you more um comfortability as a defender than Tyrone Mings and Connor Holdy. You know what I mean? <laughs> like he, I think uh, he just is. And, I, and he completely offers for when Carl Walker, who is thirty now that right-sided centre-back, Tamori is the perfect player to put, replace him. Like, mm. so quick. Better defender than Kyle Walker, I'd say. Do you, what, do you I reckon would, he could do a job in full-back as well? Well, I'd say right centre-back. Yeah. The, the, if we play a oh, free-back, which yeah, is what yeah. Southgate seems to love. Mm. So, yeah, I'd say... Oh, everyone knows Tamori should be in it, I think. But I, I think point. I think come World Cup, Southgate will come to his senses. Hopefully. Realise it. Um, especially when the, that'll be when the club season's finished yep. as well. Yeah. Um. Depending on what you know, where Syria are they? Are they top of the? They're league? top of the moment. So I uh, like even like especially if they win it. Yeah. Then it w- it would be a war crime not to to include yeah. him, wouldn't it? Okay. Cool. So midfielders then. So Jude Bellingham. Thoughts? Yes. Baller. Oh, yeah. Him. One of the best. Baller. One he's of the best. Delight to watch. No and arguments with Conor Gallagher. Nope. No. Nope. Excellent. He's been brilliant. I'm so glad he's got caught up. Your boy Hendo. Yeah. Yep. Of course. Um. Stability and, you know, not the leader. But but a leader, you know, you have quite a few club captains in the England side, and I think that's that's a good thing to have because that'll just boost the dressing room, especially when you have young players in there as well. That you know m- might be a bit overwhelmed and might get a bit little nervous um, about putting on the England top for the first time. So with people like Henderson being in there, that will settle them, that will calm them down. Especially you know when you have the young defenders, him mm-hmm. playing just in front of the defence. That's that's kind of someone who they can like look a player upon. to look to yeah. if they're in trouble yeah. and and you know uh, calm them down a bit so I'm happy cool. with that yeah Declan Rice in there as well I I think he's brilliant Declan Rice yeah One of, yeah probably I, the best midfielder in the I, league I, this I'd, year I'd love him to go to Chelsea yeah, in the I'd, summer I'd, I'd love him to, I don't know where he goes it's really I, interesting he's like a top Rice. six club West Ham or you know West you could say he could go to a better bigger better club actually. If you were Declan Rice, would you? Why would you leave West Ham? I think I think if Liverpool, Liverpool should take a punt on him, I think he'd be perfect to replace Henderson. Yeah, yeah, but of, of course you, you need to look forward, and we've done this with our front three, especially look forward to the future. Understood. Mm-hmm. You know, there's not a lot of longevity left in a lot of areas in in the team, so it's good to um, it's good to in, invest now and early, but. I think Declan Rice he is just one of those he's like the Harry Kane to Tottenham well I think that's a bit of a bad example because mm. of how he was they love him there. They, 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 they want they 150 million and yeah he, lo- he loves being there but so the thing money. is they're so valuable to him it's literally like Grealish with City mm-hmm. they're going to try and price the teams out that are bidding for him so they're going to just price him out to 150 mm. like Villa did with 100 thinking City if you were Rice if you were Rice and you look at Grealish at City and he's done alright he hasn't done badly but He's not loved or and adored like he was at Villa. And we've, exactly. we've had this argument before. I think if I were Declan Rice, I think hmm, try to do a Harry Kane. I think I'd maybe run my contract they down love in a there. couple of years, stay yeah. there, play European Cement football. Cement your legacy. Yep. Then, then, sure the legacy. then maybe move move abroad. Yeah, you could do. Well, yeah. it's worked for well. How many how many uh, players playing overseas have we got in this England squad right now? We've got Sancho. Um, well, used to. Well, yeah. Yeah, I mean. he's, he's had that kind of overseas experience. Yeah. Tammy. I mean, yeah, I mean, players who have gone abroad before, Sancho, yeah. Tammy, I mean, Mason Mount's played abroad. They've, mm-hmm. A, lot, a yeah. lot of these lads have played abroad. Eric, uh, Eric Dyer, well, is, he, is he not in the... Uh, uh, Dyer's not in the squad, I don't think he is. Thank uh, God for that. Well, <laughs> harsh. And then forwards, Phil Foden. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Jack Grealish. Yeah. Harry Kane. Yeah. Saka. He's been oh, instrumental. Yeah, he's been... Been great now, now here's my controversial opinion. I think Smith Rowe, who's also in, in the England squad, is better than Saka. Oh. Different players. They are yeah, different players. They're hard to compare, but I think that they've got the same. I think Saka's got 15 goal contributions this yeah. season. Smith Rowe's got 12 off the top of my head. I, so yeah. it's close. It it's is close, close. But I think they work 
well in different areas of the pitch. So it, it would be a good thing for the chemistry to include them both in the, in the his team, vision. Though. Smith throws vision. It, it can pick a it can pick a pass from a mile out. Yeah, I'd say Saka is 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 quite a player. He's a player you can make something out of absolutely nothing, yeah. which I think Arsenal have been missing for quite since Sanchez left. You know, I Smith think, holds the ball and Smith Rowe is a better ball progressor. Like he dribbles yeah. so well. So, but also Saka has proved himself. Like because this is, as we said with these other players, this is what Southgate will be looking at. Is like how have they performed? If they've put an England top on before, how have they mm-hmm. performed in their last outings? And Saka in the Euros was he loved him, amazing. didn't he? Yep. he kept, kept picking him, he, and that, that would, great. I imagine. And so that made Saka that, that that tournament, the Euros. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, I boosted his stock massively. I think a lot of people doubted Saka. I mean, before. the fact that he missed the, the the penalty and Saka's only gone up. You think about the media and the, the approach to England, especially from our point of view, how people changed compared to when Beckham was at mm. fault for England going out and yeah. Saka. People were burning effigies of Beckham yeah. back when he returned, and Saka just received praise. Well, obviously, apart from the horrific racist yeah. abuse online, but when in the stadiums, it was just positivity. And I think that's completely changed the approach from the media, Southgate and England all together. So for the so better, it's brilliant. I think. But I think, and going back to our conversation earlier, I think our generation coming through is so much more inclusive, and mm-hmm. I think we we just understand these young guys better than. That's the thing. Like I think our sorry to cut you off. <laughs> no, but no, sorry. Our, our young generation does have that like a lot of empathy mm-hmm. because it's like what. How, how old Saka like our age he's younger than us yeah he, he is he, what is he 20 20 now 20? yeah I'd say I'm, I'm putting the penalty high and high <laughs> you know what I mean in, in a Euros oh, yeah. final so I, I even even when you you say to me uh, Saka in, in the Euros I barely even think of the penalty I just mm. think of his amazing dribbles that's it you don't the, think of the it it's really created. interesting though looking at Saka and looking at Rashford who's not in the squad Rashford's not yeah. no, no Marcus Rashford um, and it's interesting to see how one like you said, Max has grown stronger from it, and, and Rashford all season has looked like he doesn't either doesn't want to be there. He's, he's looked off the mark. He's looked off the ball. Really strange. Yeah, but if he was at a place like Arsenal that has a lot of hope and promise going into in like this season, and that play exciting football, that love to play their football, that's not a club. Rashford's at a completely opposite club. It, it, it's really interesting that you pick up on that because I, I've noticed a lot this season especially the difference between expectation and performance and you look at praise for Arsenal and Barcelona at the moment both clubs huge clubs I mean obviously yeah. at different levels mm. but are getting massively praised for their performances they're still 12 Barcelona is still 12 points off top Arsenal are still in a top four race with West Ham but two you know, managers who understand but, their clubs and then you look at the difference between like Manchester United who Marcus Rashford under so much scrutiny every single game yeah. you lose a game it's a massive thing for Man United yeah. I, I, I just think expectation Arsenal managed to just completely control that and maybe we'll, in, we'll see England had no expectation going into Euros and World Cup last time now everyone's like Oh, you got to the final. You should do something. It'll be interesting to see what is, is that your expe- is that your expectation? We should do something in this tournament. Definitely, we've got one of the best squads. What in the are world. your expectations for the World Cup? Semi final, Max. Yeah, I think anything more than the semis. Um, yeah, but this, this is the thing. If if you ask like a whole load of um, journalists that are creating content and creating media for this coming World Cup, if they all say semis, then these players are going to hear it as well. Mm-hmm. And I I just want. You know, because this is where England have always fallen short. It's the story of their lives. Too much, too much, like national media expectation, way too high. Mm. So when we underperform, all hell breaks loose. So I'm gonna say I I think that we have the potential and we have the quality to go to the finals. But yeah. you know, we we can't always we can't always live up to expectations. It is a young team, and. You know, maybe it's a young team that hasn't necessarily found consistency yet. And that's the crazy thing that the strength of every other team, which is why I think England should do well, is because I'd say Italy. Okay, they got a bit lucky, I think, to get to, like to get to, they won. They sure. won the tournament. They yeah. won the tournament, but they did get a bit lucky along the way. Yeah. Portugal. It was something Italy or Portugal going out. Brazil lost to Argentina, a very weak Argentina. Mind, mm. I don't think they were good. You've not got many strengths in South America, and then and then what? You're talking Germany, Spain, who. I, th- I think uh, we easily be. You're, you're, not easily I'm saying, I'm saying, be. if you were to compare England right now to everyone else, 
they might be the best team in the world, which is crazy because they've <laughs> never played like it. But if you're going player by player, perhaps. But are, yeah. we, are we almost too scared to, to admit that we're the best team in the world? Because is, is no. the English mentality too, too kind of protective of our players? No. Or do we, think, mm-hmm. do we think about the players so much that we hold back a little bit? Because if we if you if we got the best team in the world, then why don't we expect to win the Euro? Uh, to win the World Cup. I think the mentality that Southgate has, and like the keyword that I kind of fed off in the, especially in the Euros, was fearlessness. Because mm-hmm. it's it's a lot of young players in there now. They're just fearless. You know, it's they they don't give much respect to the the opposition team unless they have to, mm-hmm. unless the opposition team gives them something to respect. They don't we just play and attack and to play to win the game mm-hmm. and and that's it and that, that's the, exactly the you know it's that that, that nasty mentality but you know you've got to you got to tap into that especially at the World Cup yeah. when you know potentially you've got a career or a legacy widen on it you know this is a chance for players to go up players our age to go up and say oh, We're the best I, I, want, the a, I want a World Cup mm-hmm. yeah. I want a World Cup at this stage of my career they that, will be legends that's that, legendary it, stuff yeah that so, nastiness and stuff with like you were talking about yeah. Italy the iconic picture Chiellini grabbing yeah, Saka yeah, exactly. like that's what we need to now put into our we team we need to yeah we we need a bit that. of aggression we need it yeah we've got that we've got the flair we've got the, the excitement we've got the talent More, most importantly we've got the talent we have for the first time in a long time obviously the golden generation we didn't talk about that <laughs> um, and now we just need that ruthlessness we need someone to come in like get Stuart Pearce but, but, in the backroom star. But that's what Gareth. But that's what Gareth Southgate doesn't have. Gareth Southgate yeah. doesn't have that ruthlessness. But yeah. but yeah. Emma Hayes, for example, I'd love her as England manager. I think get her in, get her in the backroom staff, like for the for this tournament. See I, I think that would be perfect. Yeah. I think someone like Emma Hayes, who people say people say Emma Hayes is the female Stuart Pearce. Yeah. I'd love Emma Hayes in there to, to to add that bit of aggression, to add that that fire, that spark. If if that is the missing component to to winning and you know, winning some uh, a, a trophy for England, then that's what we need. Mm-hmm. And, and we we'll need someone like Emma Hayes. Done. We'll sort it out. Someone get on the phone to let's, me. Let's, let's, let's send sure it to Southgate. Well, <laughs> someone must have a contact details. We'll get Emma involved. Um, I also I missed out Ollie Watkins by the way in that the English squad. Oh, Ollie um, Watkins, yeah, who was the final attacker. Sure. Uh, again, um, yeah, 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 we're fine. Yeah, that's fine. As long as we're all fine with Ollie Watkins. (laughs) He's not a very polarizing player, is he? Well, oh, it's Ollie Watkins. He scores sometimes. (laughs) Um, So, okay, well, that's the English squad, and Switzerland and the Ivory Coast are the friendlies. Friendlies? Yeah. Uh, Yeah, yeah. must be. Yeah, they wouldn't be qualified. No, Ivory Coast and the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. coming up. So, there you go, that's the English squad. Our thoughts on that. And we'll round off with, because you're a massive F1 fan, Joe, and you can tell us. About you've got a YouTube channel, haven't you? Uh, well, I, yeah, it's kind of dead at the moment, but maybe it'll come back. Yeah, yeah, well, big, big F1 season now. Yeah, and I, I know Sky Sports actually released a documentary on last seasons. <laughs> Unlike Drive to Survive, they've they've, they've gone with the facts of, of last mm-hmm. the the previous season, and they've gone into Michael Massey, and they've got Christian Horner's point of view that he didn't do anything wrong, and you've got Toto Wolff who still hasn't spoken to Michael after the racing incident so mm. sour grapes yeah a, a massive season ahead now because of what happened yeah in the previous in the previous world championship what what have you thought of the, the start was incredible mm-hmm. in, in Bahrain excellent the two Red Bulls both with uh, <laughs> faults with problems mm-hmm. I think it was a pump issue wasn't it fuel pump fuel pump fuel pump and issue something t- Breakage, I can't remember. But they've all got the same fuel pumps, haven't they? So it must be how it was installed in the car. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then a Ferrari 1 2, which was just unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this season will be a lot easier if Ferrari are the quickest car and they (laughs) win every race and then we don't have to worry about Toto Wolfie, Christian, for another season. I'm sick of hearing Horner and Wolf's voice. I'm done with it. (laughs) Get Max and Lewis at the back of the grid just for a bit. Um, Yeah. Well, I, I think, yeah. Ferrari are fully in it to win it now, mm, yeah. Um, and I think they, you know, you can't judge too early. But going off what we've seen, especially in, in the qualifying and practice as well, where Leclerc's just constantly been outstanding, I think they they could be the favourites. They could be the favourites. Why not? Two two fantastic their drivers. Car is, it, their car's insane. I'd say insane. I'd say be be very wary of Mercedes. I'd say for yeah. the next five races it will be Ferrari, mm. but I can see Mercedes catching up. Because Ferrari, obviously, they came third last season. They came sixth for the season or fifth the season before. They've had a lot of wind tunnel time between that. They've had way more than Mercedes. 
Mercedes went had obviously came first last season. They had the fewest amount of time to develop their car, and obviously they had the title battle with Max, where they yeah. went like with five races to go. Let's get Lewis's yeah. car to the best it can be. I think just be worried that Mercedes are there, but I'm all on Ferrari hype train. I really want them to win. I'd love to see it. I think Leclerc. I think Leclerc will outperform Science pretty simply I think yeah. Sainz is a really good driver I just think Leclerc's got that little bit of bite to him spark, isn't he it? has a- yeah about he's him. got that natural pace aren't, aren't oh. Mercedes like a little bit known for doing this at the start of seasons though like kind of the, looking yeah. like you know catfishing a little sandbagging bit, they will, call just, it in yeah, that's Formula the 1 that's the yeah. one that. like giving <laughs> the impression <laughs> giving the impression that they're that, they're that their car's not great or you yeah. know they're a bit levels below some other manufacturers and then when it actually gets into the the thick of the season, yeah. then they start turning up and and up and they've got the huge advantage of having Sir Lewis Hamilton in the car, which you know Ooh, no matter right. they, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah so they Respect. they you know he he is no matter what you think of him, he's unbelievably quick. Is he the best driver ever? I in my opinion, yeah, yeah, I think um, so. I think he's Max? yeah probably. Yeah, I I got a um, I got a soft spot for a couple. Uh, got a soft, big soft spot for Senna because I watched a documentary yeah. once and I was like love this guy <laughs> yeah. but um, Legend. I think numbers are numbers in there at the end of the day and especially you know what, what kind of Schumacher for example what persuaded Hamilton, me yeah. what persuaded mm-hmm. me was um, un- or convinced me last season was when was it he had to start at the back of the grid and still mm. won the race 20th to 1st in Brazil was, that was one of the best performances I've ever watched yeah that, yeah. That's talent. You can say he's got the best car, but, but that is that is talent. Yeah, he right there. Yeah, and 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 when Mercedes, and with him in the car, telling Mercedes exactly what needs to be done. I just I, I don't I don't want to say it, but I just can see Hamilton winning this title. I mean, he somehow got a podium in Bahrain. Yeah, he's so irritating. How is he so good? I don't, it annoys me because I love George Russell as well. Yeah, but it's I great just, to see Russell. Russell, behind Russell, him. Russell yeah. just behind him wasn't too far off the pace. Interesting that in qualifying, it was his first. It was the highest he's ever finished in a Formula One car. Yeah, and it was his first time racing for Mercedes. So mm-hmm. it, it's always going to be nerve wracking. It was interesting that Russell, throughout the whole of qualifying, was in front of Hamilton, giving him a toe. They're very clear. Hamilton's the number one driver at the moment, which is good. They need to be clear, otherwise they will clash. Um, so yeah if they put all their eggs in Hamilton's basket why not I mean I think Ferrari might win constructors because science is so consistent yeah. alongside Leclerc but we could have another really exciting season we could do uh, you said earlier you're fed up of hearing Toto Wolf and Christian Horner yeah. don't watch Drive to Survive then yeah. <laughs> well, well, what have you made what have you made of Drive to Survive because mm-hmm. you have these you know I go on Twitter I don't really post on Twitter but I love love to see what people are saying on Twitter about about things like Drive to Survive and yeah. you've got all these die hard you know, quote unquote die hard F1 fans who who can't stand the new fan base that have come in who are very protective of their of their sport and they don't like the new fans mm-hmm. uh, and then you've got people like I mean, I mean Drive to Survive really got me into Formula 1 I enjoyed it before but mm-hmm. nowhere near as much as I do now and I obviously I completely disagree with that uh, you know school of thought because I love F1 because of Drive to Survive and I think it, it's it's good it's like in, with YouTube boxing if it's done right you get a whole new audience into a new sport yep. it is inaccurate mm-hmm. and like we were saying with that sprint race again before we started the podcast when Bottas won the sport, the sprint race not um, Max Verstappen and they, they kind of illustrated that the way they wanted to what have you made of Drive to Survive Joe and then mm. Max it's helped you get into the sport so. yeah I'd say these gatekeepers these old F1 fans needed to realise the sport was dying um, before this new influx of fans like we're now talking about a sport which is mega one of the biggest in the world I can't I don't know the figures that the final race was watched but it was one of the biggest ever events on Sky Sports so when you're when you're talking about these new fans coming in it's only good for the sport you don't have to listen to their opinions if you don't value them but let them have their opinions um, it's a growing sport. It's a younger sport now. It's yeah. It's only oh, Drive to Survive has only been good for the economic value of Formula One. Um, however, Drive to Survive's portrayal of some things is is bad. It's reality TV. It's reality TV at the end of the day. And if you take it like that, then there's no problem with it. But the problem is, people who just watch Drive to Survive get a fake impression of personalities. I think for me, Lando Norris came across terribly. 
in Jarvis Five Season Four. I felt he came. But that was their a, narrative. That was that was the narrative of that, the production that, team he, at Netflix. He came across as a brat. He came across annoying. Where he'd been in previous seasons, coming across quite well. I think if you know anything about Landon Norris, you know he's he's, he's he's funny. He's a great Lovely bloke. Guy. Friends with the side men. Exactly. You know that's <laughs> it. He's what you want to be. He's yeah. a great. He's really fun and a great personality on track. I don't want them to start twisting personalities and I've noticed this whoever's up against Ricardo who is the sweetheart of Formula 1 drive to survive but that's why Max won't get involved that's why Max and that that is exactly the Ricardo uh, Norris kind of Mm -hmm. whatever whatever Netflix have made of it and and that is exactly what Max Verstappen said. He said, "I'm not getting involved with this." Mm-hmm. He, he watched the two episodes. He said, "There's no hatred there." It's, he's a, Max Verstappen's as close as anyone can get to those two drivers. Max Max is a very very good friend of Daniel Ricciardo. Yeah, yeah, they used to be teammates. Yeah, they 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 get on really well. They still talk now. They go on holidays together. I'm confused with how Netflix pushed that narrative so badly, but I get it. It's reality TV. I don't mind. Max, don't what mind. drive yeah. to survive helped you get into Formula One? Yeah, so. You gotta kind of like look at the look at their numbers. If if making a narrative, it's not ethical to do so, and it's probably wrong to do so. But if it's gonna kind of boost their viewership and that, you know, as certain certain media publications like to do, if that they don't really care about the the means, they just care about the end. And if the end is like bigger, you know, more money, more views, then they're gonna do whatever's possible to do that. So I can kind of understand that's why they do it, but. You know, you want a fair reflection of what's going on on and off the on and off the track. So, yeah, I, I saw. Um, I haven't watched too many episodes of. I haven't watched the full season. Mm. Um, but I watched the last season, and my housemate is just f one mad. He wouldn't shut up about it. So I had to. Wa- I kind of had <laughs> to watch um, the last season's Drive Survivor, and I loved it. I loved the production, the like the quality, the cinematics. Yeah, it's it's great to just watch. Do you know what I mean? Because it's such a visual sport. Yeah. So it's, it translates really, really well. Yeah, it's so, to... like, aesthetically pleasing mm-hmm. just to watch. It's, like, unreal. Um, but, yeah, the way that they've kind of... I like how they just do the specials. Each episode is a special on one... Either one team, like, a couple of teammates or, like, a car or, you know, whatever. Um, I, li- I like their focus. But, yeah, no, they shouldn't... They, they shouldn't change the ways. They should, as I said, it should just be a fair reflection on, you know, on what is going on and off the track. So... It's silly to do that, um, and you know, protecting uh, because I think, especially Ricardo, ever since he's gone to McLaren, has been very underwhelming. So just because he's got, you know, one of uh, probably the best personalities, if you will, um, out of most F1 races, he is he's a funny bloke. Um, but just because of that, just because that'll probably get a lot of views on Drive to Survive, shouldn't mean that you should shy away from how badly he had been performing. Yeah, that that's a good point because they did the Mazepin episode was very interesting because they made him come across okay, and it, it was a bit villainous at times. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, I like this narrative. Then they cut to the race, Russia, and they were like, I just know the Russian clouds. I know it's <laughs> gonna rain. Then they made it seem super heroic. They were like, you beat Latifi and Mick. Well done. I was like, did he? Like, I checked checked the scores yeah. timesheets. Latifi Mick DNF'd. They didn't finish the race. Right. So, and he finished a lap down on well, everyone else. So how was that excellent? And the, they, they, the, the, com- the commentaries, uh, uh, I think they're made especially for Drive to Survive, aren't they? They're not I, taken from the actual race. I'm not sure, but it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. I, I, and the, the other thing with Drive to Survive is really interesting. They, they missed out Kimi Raikkonen's retirement. Which a legend is, as well. Which is, Kimi is, is a legend of F1. Yeah. And... Claire Williams and Williams and they, they barely touched on that yeah that was crazy. I mean I said barely I'm not, I'm not really sure they did to be honest they didn't talk about they Brazil they spoke about the takeover yeah. but Brazil so many things that they missed out because they were so busy kind of going for whatever they wanted to to, pit to strive for people against each other mm-hmm. as well it's, it's, it's a silly thing to do but this is the thing right if any any of you listening are um, like want to get into Formula 1 and have just watched Drive Survive because you know, my advice would be make sure you're watching the races like as as much as you can weekly. Yeah. In like watch it week in week out if you can. Don't just trust Drive to Survive to give you like reliable information about F1. Take it with that pinch of salt, as Joe said, with, you have the, to. with the reality TV aspect, because that's the that's the kind of hinge, that's the the angle they want to they want to go for. So, and like it's it's great to watch, 
but don't take that at face value and don't just believe it's, it's like just with any media don't believe mm. everything they say yeah. do you know what I mean well you might be really lying to you okay yeah, <laughs> yeah. As, as sports journalists <laughs> don't believe everything you yeah. read um, so we'll round off our little Formula 1 se- section then with the next week's Grand Prix in Saudi Arabia uh-huh. which um, in Saudi Arabia I think that's a, a massively kind of debatable talking point is it ethical to have a Grand Prix in, in a place like Saudi Arabia well there's there's a, a lot of it's kind of the place to be for a lot of sporting events you see a lot of promoters a lot of people at the top end of sports want to bring their events over mm-hmm. there because they they know it's going to be you know good for money Like, a, a, but this is the thing a lot of sports isn't ethical because the way that they a lot of people just put their sports at different venues just so they benefit <laughs> Chelsea yeah you know exactly they can you know you, you can say what you want about it you should understand that people are just going to want to put their you know events there not for themselves but for the benefit of their sport not really for the it's rare that you know sporting events are carried out purely for the benefit of the fans so it's just do you know what I mean you, you shouldn't you shouldn't expect that um, I wouldn't be surprised if um well, I say I wouldn't be surprised what happened. Like obviously, it's happening in um, Saudi Arabia, but I can't, I can't argue with it too much. It's understandable that it's there. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't like go to watch it <laughs> personally. No. Joe, would you? Would you go? Same with World I, Cup. I read well, a I'd say Martin Samuel article this morning saying that the human rights out there—it's just disgraceful. It's in, yeah, it's, you know, as a country, and but. how can we be allowing this? How can we be encouraging a World Cup like that? Would you go to Saudi? Would you go to Qatar? Well, I think F one is unique in the fact it costs so much money to to do F1 like you can talk about I, I, I read an article and it's about it takes, if you're a driver it takes about 10 million just to get to the F1 seat wow. including sponsorship deals if you're talking about putting on 23 races a year funding these teams funding these sponsorships you have to go to these countries if if us the viewers want to watch F1 you have to go to Saudi Arabia you have to go to Bahrain mm. you have to go to Abu Dhabi yeah. I think it, it's in a really unique position where unlike football it couldn't just say no we can't go there I think football could I think because you don't need football doesn't need that money the infrastructure is there across better countries to well, put they're, a football they're tournament over here. that's the difference well South, yeah South. Well, they're coming and yeah, they're, they're coming they're over come, here yeah. we have the money in the Premier League to stop Newcastle being owned by Saudi Arabia we chose not to it's all about money money talks but I'd say with F1 you probably have it's to more, do it I'd necessary. say it's it's more it's definitely a necessary yeah. evil you're right yeah Yeah. okay well I think I think that's about about no. it for this would week's gone, Max would you would, mm. would I go to Saudi Arabia well, would you, do you think do you think it's a uh, think it's alright that they're, that they're doing it because I think it's a great a great point that Joe raised and obviously you asked a pair of us so mm. what, what's, your, what's your take on I that? I wouldn't go to Qatar for the World Cup no because, no. because I know because I know how those stadiums are being built and I wouldn't be able to sit it, and I, yeah I'm not like I'm not going to preach that I'm a massively ethical person you know I'm, <laughs> I, I drive a petrol I, I car I don't murder but you well, know, you know, <laughs> you know I, I drive a petrol car and yeah. I don't you know I'm not the best at recycling you know, yeah. all of that sort of stuff but no I don't think I could sit in a football stadium knowing how it's been built and the politics out there and with the Saudi Grand Prix it's hard it's hard because it's like you said Joe without a Grand Prix in Saudi Arabia and and in places like Abu Dhabi and Dubai or wherever you are Bahrain you have no Formula 1 so mm-hmm. you have to weigh it up like that um, prob- probably wouldn't I think I'd stick to Barcelona so yeah it, it's, it's a tricky one but I, I don't think there's a wrong or right if you go then you, you're there to enjoy sport I mean sport politics and morals it's hard when they all come and it's hard when they, all and and it's hard when they intertwine with each other F1 is is basically politics it's, well that's all it is football's going down yeah, that route football is, football's football's going down that route. definitely heading down that route so, yeah, yeah as Chelsea fans yeah. it hasn't been easy <laughs> but no. we'll leave it for another day um, Joe thanks for joining us mate thank yeah. you for having Massive me thanks, thank you and, um, enjoy the, the journal awards tonight yeah we'll get we'll, we'll get a picture suit and a booted and then you can go back and I'm sure you'll find this picture somewhere on either what's your socials Joe uh, it's joe underscore mcmillan8 Nice. Give him a follow. Is that Instagram, Snapchat? Instagram. Instagram. Nice. What's, what's, what's your Snapchat handle? Just because, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just because it's so funny. <laughs> Snapchat <laughs> is Sonic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna say the numbers are. Yeah, like a, like a bunch of numbers. But it's Sonic. Yeah. <laughs> cool. That's nice. Because I'm really fast. <laughs> <laughs>
Love it. No, <laughs> uh, cheers for coming on. Yeah, mate. thanks yeah. for having great, me. Great insight for F1 because obviously we don't touch on that mm, often. Yeah. So, um, oh. the Eng- England knowledge as well. Yeah. Pretty yeah. good. I'll tell you yeah. what. Yeah. You know, we've got, we got a man like saying, job. saying yeah. Sirs out here as well. Like, full titles. <laughs> yeah, uh, breath of fresh air in the studio, mate. So, nah, appreciate you. It's been a pleasure, on. boys. Thank you, Jack. And thank, um, you. thank you all for tuning in once again. Um, we should be back. Obviously, got to take it with a, a pinch of salt how, how consistently we're coming because we're gearing up to, towards some deadlines and assignments. But you know we'll be we'll be as consistent as possible um and just try and keep pumping out pumping out these episodes for you so yeah once again thanks for listening uh, Noah rounded off for us yeah cheers guys thanks for listening like max said and we'll be back soon <laughs>